Good morning. To those that are in person today to worship to get together corporately, thank you so much for coming. And for those that are online, thank you for joining us. It is always a privilege to have you and to hear your comments and just to hear how God has touched you. Uh, we are doing a series right now called Redo with Jesus. It's part two. If you have not heard of the first one, if you did not hear it the first time, uh, just go back to our, our site, our website, and you can probably listen to it and give you an idea. But it won't mean that you don't understand this one there's uh, this just goes on and on and we get to see how God wants to show us how do we get redos how do we restore these things in our lives that are uh, dysfunctional or things that are broken and we sometimes walk around believing some truths that are not based on the Bible like this one thing I've heard and met a lot of people who live according to this old saying you made this bed now you have to lie in it. Now, there is nowhere that you can find this in the Bible. Nowhere at all. Nowhere there God says this. God doesn't say this neither. A lot of people say that. They say, too bad, you have, you, you've had a, a setback, or you've made the wrong decisions. Now you're disqualified. It's over for you. You know, it sounds like the voice of the enemy, but a lot of times we believe that God has forgotten us, and we need to understand that God has not forgotten us. It is one thing when something bad happens to us, like a pandemic, we've had no control over it, but it is another whole different thing when we end up stuck because something we ourselves have done. Have you been there before? You have done something and you know that you shouldn't have not made that decision or that choice or, or whatever you did and you know it, it's, it's, it's caused a lot of damage. It's also hard sometimes to see beyond the chain of events that have caused so much destruction in a lot of marriages today as I see it, destruction in families and homes, in children and grandchildren. Uh, you know, and we, we need to go back to the truth of what the Word says. The Word says that God said there's nothing impossible to Him. Nothing is impossible to him. And when we humble ourselves and admit that we are powerless in these events and that we're powerless to change anything, it, he comes into our situations and lets us experience a redo. Now, God is amazing. He is amazing. His heart is to see us be transformed, healed, and victorious. But so many don't experience those things because they believe things that are not based on truth. And so he desires us to experience these redos. And as a matter of fact, just Ephesians 2, 4 says that his love is great and his mercies are rich. His mercies over his children are rich. Mercy is a covering that we have until we get it right. Now, now he's more than willing to give us another chance. He's more than willing to get us back on track and to give us this experience of redo. But there are certain things that hinder our abilities to experience this that forfeits our ability to actually take this blessing into our life so last week we started by giving you a definition of what a redo is the Webster's dictionary says this it's a new attempt or an opportunity to do something after a previous attempt has been unsuccessful and unsatisfactory 
is to do something again in a different way, especially in order to correct or improve it. How many of us want to correct or improve something that has been done in the past or something that we have set in motion and we shouldn't have? See, redos are not just about doing something again in a different way. It's about letting the event, the situation that you're in, about letting that event bring you back to God. We actually said last week that God has had sounded the alarm with the pandemic. And, and so we need to actually discover, has it led us back to God? Did, we, did it draw us back to God? Because those are, when events happen, it should bring us to that place. And when we do, we learn how to redo something and improve something that we might not have done before the event. And so it's, it's only God that can bring lasting change. I don't know about you, but we can bring some changes in our lives. You know, we can change the way we eat and we can do something different and whatever else. But if we want lasting change, change that will bring change in our character and our attitude and the way that we see things, we have to bring God in. See, God is not only a God of second chance. He is the God of another chance. The God of another chance. We discovered last week that although we might have second chances, we often even mess them up. I don't know about you, there are times that we want to redo and, and just redo something that we do it over again and to find out we're doing the same thing over and over again. And so we know that because when events arises, when situations arise, what happens is that it exposes the mess. It exposes maybe behavior, character, attitudes. And those things, instead of going inward to try to fix it, God is asking us to go to him, to trust him with the results. He is asking us to go and not go and try to fix it for ourselves. Because when we go to our own resources, that's what you call pride. Instead of being dependent on God, you're dependent on yourself to try to fix or to come out of the event or to get that redo for yourself. It is the biggest hindrance that keeps us from experiencing supernatural change, experiencing change in our marriage, in our own life, in our children. And I know that I have seen God call me to come to this place of dependence, but because of my pride and my arrogance and thinking that I should fix it, that I that you know, sometimes we believe that, oh, I made the mess, therefore I've got to fix it. You know, that's not how God thinks, but we think this way. And because of it, sometimes because of our pride, we don't get the healing nor the victory that we're so longing for. So what is pride? Pride is an exalted view of oneself. Pride is a focus on oneself that expresses its thought, attitudes, and words in action. It is a manifest in, it's manifested in a self-centered wisdom that says this, look at what I know. It's manifested in an egotistic strength, look what I can do. And it is also manifested in the accumulated possessions. So sometimes we think that because we have all this, look what I have, I have. You know, instead of focusing on something so much greater than that, riches that will never perish, the wisdom and the strength and the riches of God. You see, God encourages us to boast only in one thing, is to know him. That is the only thing we should be boasting about. 
So the challenge in experiencing redos in our life is not to find the ways to change ourselves. Because pride will say, try to do something to change this. Just pick up your socks and pull up your boots and you can do this. That's what we try to do. But when we do that, we're leaving God out. It's really when these things happen, if you want to redo, you have to seek an encounter with God in ways where he alone will change us. Now, Sproul says this, true faith as to make a choice, God's way or my way. You and I have choices every day. And if I do it my way, my redo won't last long. I'll feel good for a few weeks and maybe the pressures and the chaos will slow down and maybe there will be a, fault, a false uh, peace that will come in. But in the long run, I'll go back to what I do best. But if I let God come in and he does the redo, what happens is that if I choose his way as I'm walking out the event, then I experience something supernatural. See, one of the biggest reasons why we forfeit these redos is pride. It hinders our abilities to trust God and to take the steps of faith and obedience. See, the cost of refusing God's will is very, very costly. It costs us the experience of redo, which means the experience of a second chance, of another chance, the experience of healing, freedom, and restoration. So let me tell you about a story of a man called uh, Naaman, uh, Naaman who, was lo- who almost lost, almost lost his redo because of pride. Now, this story is found in 2 Kings 5, and the story, it's a story of a man who was brave, he was successful, he was a high-ranking military officer for the king of Aram. But he was also, he also was afflicted with a horrible disease. He had leprosy, and there was no cure for leprosy in those days. So Naaman didn't have any options before him. The end of his life was always dictated because of the disease. He knew that he was going to die a short, short, he was going to have a short life, but also he was going to die of suffering because that's what the disease did. And no matter how much wealth or how how much popularity, he had that didn't change the outcome until he heard about a prophet in Samaria that could possibly cure him and so he went to his king to ask favor and to give him a letter to go and see the uh, uh, to go and see this prophet in Samaria and the king gives him the blessing and he goes and he sees the prophet Elisha Naaman was ready for whatever the prophet would throw at him but the prophet Elisha sends him a curveball Elisha's instructions were this in 2 Kings 5.10. He says, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. It sounds simple enough, doesn't it? But Elisha had insulted Naaman with this message because Naaman said, hey, listen, I have better water in Damascus. You're asking me to go into this dirty, filthy water of the Jordan to go and get cleansed? He kind of missed the point, didn't he? He was focused on the instructions that he didn't like too, ba- too much, but he had leprosy. He had no other options. Man, we are people who are even in our desperations. We don't want to hear what God is asking us to do. And it is in our desperation that God is calling us back to him. And he's calling us to that place of healing and restoration and victory. And yet we don't like what God is asking us. So he says in 5 Kings 12, 
Are not the rivers of Damascus better than all of the waters of Israel? So he turned and went off in rage. Naaman was sulking. And that, if you don't know what that word means, he had attitude. And it wasn't good. He had attitude and he was angry. He needed a redo. He needed a touch from God, but he didn't like the instructions. See, a servant approached Naaman, and it was a young girl that was a captive of Israel. And she had become a servant for many years, and she knew of that prophet. And so she comes very humbly to Naaman, and she says this in verse 13. Father, if the prophet had asked you to do something hard and heroic, wouldn't you have done it? So why not this simple wash and be clean? The words came from a lowly source. Naaman could could have kept up with his arrogance. He could have said, listen, you just know. Did Did you not see my title? You know, he could have stayed entitled. He could have stayed saying, nobody's listening, nobody understands. He could have stayed arrogant. But he allowed himself to listen. What was the last time you listened? He allowed himself to listen. And immediately Naaman went down to the Jordan and washed seven times, and God cleansed him of his disease. Often we are the last one to see the hard truth that's in our lives because pride cloaks everything in our lives. Naaman's story reminds us that sometimes it takes humility to listen, to acknowledge, to be honest, and to take action. You see, humility is confidence properly placed in God. Pride is confidence placed in ourselves. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. How many times we're seeking God for discernment and wisdom to try to figure something out, but yet really truly when he tells us what to do, we turn around and do the opposite. What can we learn from Naaman's life? Very simple. We need to learn that there are two types of pride. There's an obvious pride and a hidden one. Obvious, you see it in the way that he responded to the the captive girl, the servant, and also to the servant, the messenger that sent uh, Naaman what to do. He was entitled and he didn't like that that, uh, Elisha had sent him a lowly messenger. He didn't like the idea that he should have come to him personally because of who he was. You see, that's obvious pride. When we think our title deems that everybody should be doing what they need to be doing for us. Now, hidden pride is harder to detect. It focuses on our inner pain. You need to understand Naaman was a man who had leprosy for many, many years. Now, even though that he had wealth and he had popularity and a whole lot of things, he must have experienced deep, deep rejection because he was not allowed to have life with other people. And so he had probably very deep issues, and that's why maybe rage came and all the different things that came up. Now, this quote I saw, and I want to share this with you because hidden pride does this to many people. People who have hidden pride devote their attention to their own pain and cannot respond or reach out to others. That's what hidden pride does. That means you don't take people's help. You stay away from other people. You can't receive or give out. And that's what hidden pride does. And you know what? That's the reason why so many of us have no redos. Because we don't understand what it does to us. 
Pride leads to negative consequences. Psalm 138.6 says, Though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar off. You see, many people who have hidden pride have difficulties with their love relationship with God. As a matter of fact, it's kind of like maybe not even there. And so they think and believe that all they have to do is just try harder. God, no, all he wants you to do is to let go. He wants you to let go. It often breeds pride. Hidden pride breeds overconfidence in our lives while preventing us from doing the one thing we need to do in any events when we're, when we're desperate is to call out to our Savior in a time of trouble. When we allow pride to rule our lives, we tend to push Christ in everything that has to do to help us with our redos. We push Christ to the side. We push the word to the side. We push his people to the side. We push the resources that God has given us for our redos to the side. We need to come to understand that when hidden pride is there, we actually don't acknowledge our need because we don't see it. We don't see our issues because pride cloaks those deep issues that keep us from experiencing the blessings of God. And part of the blessings of God is to see you grow, to see us become all that we should become as fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers and leaders. Oh, I think the sky is the limit if we understood that all we need to do is acknowledge and be honest. But pride hides these things and it causes you to believe that all you have to do is just work at it a little bit more. It causes us not to be honest and therefore never to see our need, which causes never to take action. So it's a vicious cycle. Naaman was quick. So if we want to see a few other things, Naaman was quick at fault finding. He pointed the finger to Elisha. How dare you send a messenger? See, pride causes us to pinpoint the faults of others while cloaking our own, ide- our own issues. If you find yourself constantly pointing out the faults of others, perhaps it is time that you point the finger inward and examine your own heart. Because, beloved, you can't blame anybody else for what you are lacking. Really, truly, sometimes it really just comes here. And God is just calling forth and he's exposing these things because he wants us to experience a do-over. A do-over in how we do life and how we're loving our families and how we're doing this with our children. Naaman was demanding and harsh at times. And when pride is in our hearts, we have very little patience and grace for those that are struggling around us. We are, when proudful people see people struggling with sin, they are usually irritable. They are frustrated with people and judgmental. And they bring a lot of damage to other relationships. They cannot see it through the grid of grace because they don't give themselves grace. Naaman was so busy with his image that he almost lost his redo. You see, pride, this is what it does. Pride develops a superficial heart. When pride is the ruler of our life, our biggest concern is how others perceive us. How others perceive us. Rather than focusing on on our attention and inward, what's going on inside of our own heart, we choose to uh, superficially manufacture how we appear to, uh, to the outside. It's very dangerous. And the reason why is that we fight the sins uh, that have an impact on how other people view us 
but we make peace with the inward sins that nobody sees. See, when you make peace with sin in your heart, it's destructive. It causes your heart to harden. Pride is the reason why so many don't move forward. See, the story of Naaman gives us hope that even though he might have responded in his pride, when faced with this event of choosing God's way and his way, praise God, Naaman chose God's way. You see, if we humble ourselves and place our confidence in God for healing, we will experience our needed redos. Psalm 149.4 says, For the Lord takes delight in his people, and he crowns the humble with victory. So many of us, we're so longing for victory with these old habits that we have. We long for healing for these things from the past, and yet we don't want to acknowledge God as God in our life. We don't want to be honest about what's going on, and we certainly don't want to take action. That means we don't want to take those steps needed. God has given you instructions he has spoken to you very clearly, and yet you justify, you rationalize, you re-examine, you start pinpointing for something else. So the first step of humility we have to take, we have to take is to recognize that we are powerless to change. And without God's intervention, nothing will change. Naaman came to this conclusion in 2 Kings 5.15. He says, now I know that there is no God in all of the world except the God of Israel. When was the last time that you looked at your event? And instead of always building your failures, you just go and say, God, now I know. <laughs> I am powerless to change this attitude. But I acknowledge you, God, over this attitude. God over this thought. God over this heart issue. I acknowledge that you are the only one true God, and I will turn to you for salvation and only you. Step two is to be honest that the only one that could give you what you need, that supernatural change from inside out, is Jesus. And only that, the only way that we can experience that is through repentance and surrender. 2 Peter 3, 9 says this, and I'm coming to an end. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness but in patience towards you, not wishing, listen to this, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You see, many of us are perishing right where we are. We are lost in the Father's house. We don't recognize his love for us. We don't recognize his forgiveness for us. We have this measurement over our lives that have nothing to do with the new covenant message that Christ has given to us and he died for for us. And it is time, beloved, that we start acknowledging God for who he was and call out the word of God over our lives and stop listening to the lies of the enemy. It is time that we are honest with the inward issues and calling them for what they are. If pride is your issue, your job is to start being real with the attitude. That's how God started getting me. I'd be sitting there watching my husband. I'd say in my head, oh, I, probably can, I can probably do a better job than him. And God would say, what is that? Pride. 
Oh my goodness, there are times my arrogance means no, there's no end to it. But yet, I do know he loves me. His mercies are new every day. He is great and his faithfulness stays forever. He's no, there's no shift in him. When he sends a word, like he sends the word today, he's telling you, it will not go void if you acknowledge me. It will not go void if you stay honest. It will not go void if you take action. God says, you want your redo, you just come to me. Repent and surrender. And step three is take action. You see, this is where most of us leave the room. This is, mo- we, we leave to redo the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. But we must learn this lesson that we've learned from Naaman because he tells us He shows us that humility, properly putting your confidence in the right place, will bring you a crown of victory. Properly placing your confidence in him. And when he's showing you something, beloved, don't look at it like the elephant. You know, sometimes it's an elephant in the room. You go, God, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. God says, no, just one bite at a time. One step at a time, one decision at a time, one action at a time, one attitude at a time. And every time we take a step, it, he honors it, beloved. This is what he says in Psalm 910. Those who know your name will trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 91, 14, 15 says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. And then he goes on in 15. He will call upon me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and honor him. I don't know about you, but it is time that we do away with the lies and these old sayings that we hold on to and we actually tack them on with God in the walk we have with God. We have to start saying, God, that's not even you. You are a God of another chance. You are a God that tells me to get up, pick up my mat, and keep on going. You will receive your redo. God wants to help you to fix and to restore those things that look so hard to you. And if you believe in your heart that he is able today, right where you are, by faith, he can take you from where you are and bring you to where you need to be. He is a God, the God of a second chance. He will give you your redo. So acknowledge him over what you are going through today. Put your confidence in him and humble yourself. Be honest with those issues, those things that you're struggling with, and take those steps to either remove them, repent from them, and surrender them, and release them, And just bring yourself back to the God that greatly loves you and who is rich in mercy. God is here in the midst of you today. And if you're looking for a redo, Jesus is ready for you. Let me pray for you this morning.
Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you because you are a good, good Father, as we heard with the worship today, that we are your friend. God, we understand, Lord, that you've set in motion a path of restoration, a path of healing. And God, it, it, it's all about this redo. God, it's about acknowledging you. It's about being honest and taking those steps. And we heard it last week. God will give us instructions, but he won't make us go. That's our choice. He's given us a free will today to choose. And God, I, I choose you. I choose your way, even though I do not know what the results would be. But according to the word, you're a God that never fails or never forsakes. God, we need you this day. We need you to be all that we need to be today. Give us grace. Give us strength to go after these strongholds and these issues that keep us from our redos. And let us be real with you today. God, touch and move upon your people, those that are online and those that are here. And for those that do not know you, Jesus, God, impress upon them their need to confess you as Lord and Savior, their need for forgiveness and repentance. And for those that have been lifetime believers and who have not experienced a redo, I'm asking God, for a mighty move of the Spirit. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You do not have to leave at this point. You don't have to rush out. If God is speaking to you, take that time to just release those things that he's exposed today. And as you leave, follow the arrows. There's only one way out, that exit there. If you want to speak to me, you want me to pray for you, I'm willing to do so. But thank you so much for coming. God is not finished with you. We're going to part three next week. We're going to be talking about rebellion. You don't want to miss it. Thank you. May God bless you and keep you as you go along and you keep on bringing him into your situation. He will make it clear to you what you need to do. Thank you.